hey, let's uh, build an open source platform for people, teams to register their assets, know who has access to what, and let's capitalize on the creation of QR codes. We are interested on how you are actually growing. This QR code label, uh, you can download it and print it. Like for instance, if you add the tag retired, that something happens. It seems like this is easily done in shells. People can do whatever they want. Basically, the small idea that we're trying to bring to the world. Super fun to have you, man, here. Uh, you know, we already checked a little bit of, of what you got, what is your business, and uh, it looks really cool. Um, so, you know, glad to have you here, man. Welcome. No. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Yes, and for our listeners and viewers, uh, Carlos actually reached out to me via email and said like, hey, do you do like more than just marketing tools? And because, you know, I have an asset management system, <laughs> does it really fit within your scope? And I'm like, exactly. That's the type of, you know, stories and softwares we want to also feature on our podcast, because obviously it's not all about marketing. There are so many problems that we're able to solve with software or software as a service. I actually, just a little bit of a background, I actually have a small Airbnb business that I do on the side. I mean, you know, once you've been hundred by this. Yeah, no. <laughs> of course. Small side yeah. hustle. Yeah, 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 side hustle, yeah. So yeah, I just have a few, um, few things that I do Airbnb-wise and I'm kind of getting more into it. And one of the things that I realized is that I need to catalog everything I have across multiple properties. So, and obviously as a Hacker News, you know, addicted junkie, I'm always crawling and searching for new cool stuff, interesting news and so forth. And I saw post, I think from you, Carlos, uh, in yep. the show Hacker News section where you mentioned shelf.nu and you also, yep. I think, kind of, you know, highlighted that this is also uh, a self-hosted solution, open source solution open source. that you can either host yourself and not pay anything and or you can have a hosted solution where you take care of everything and of course the first thing that i did i signed up for the free plan just to test it and see how it works and it looks really promising but i don't want to talk um about your product i think you will do a much better job so carlos thank you so much for joining us and, and yeah, sorry, oh, Michael. we're we're no? you know syncing together. Yeah, and what I just wanted to say is that you know what what it comes to that you know what is our scope is that we also you know when we're talking about the marketing stuff, we can also talk about how you are generating traffic to your website yeah. and what is the way you you've got your backlinks and all that stuff. So, you know, even though your stuff is not related directly to marketing stuff, uh, you know, we are interested on how you are actually growing. So, Carlos, could you tell a little bit about yourself, your background, and also the interesting part, how did you come, come up with the idea, and also, like, where you at currently? Okay, well, that's a lot of information to give. So, first of all, uh, my name is Carlos Virreira. I am uh, recently turned 33. I actually Congrats. just turned 33 yesterday. Um, and I am a person that was born in Argentina. I lived mm -hmm. most of my life in Bolivia and I have been living in the Netherlands for around 14 years. So, so I've been in this side of the world and um, 
I studied here in the university. I did uh, actually business and communication studies. So I actually did a lot of uh, strategic business, uh, creative uh, business plans and so on, and always had a fascination for programming. Uh, and uh, together with uh, one of my uh, roommates, uh, we decided to start a company already 11 years ago. So as soon as we graduated, we started a small uh, code shop. So I would take the role of uh, being the more, uh, let's say, commercial-driven human in the mix. Uh, I would talk to customers. I would uh, try to figure out what they're trying to achieve. And we would try to help them through our, through creating, like, let's say, designs and uh, also build little tools for them. This is a path that I carried on for many years, and it's a role I still have. As you all know, uh, we had a pandemic, and it can it caused a little bit of a shuffle in the ways that our companies work and operate. One of the consequences of that was that my team, which was in-house, which was in office, on-premise, uh, all of a sudden, everybody wanted to go back to their hometowns. Everybody wanted to go back to their roots. Mm-hmm. And it meant that, first of all, I had to adjust to that new way of operation, but also uh, I really needed my staff to have proper working conditions. I wanted to have good keyboards, I don't know, good good uh, monitors, good standing desks, good work computers, all this stuff. And uh, what we noticed is that our insurance rates were going up. And uh, we were getting basically, uh, let's call it a shadow pre-calculated insurance cost for our equipment, uh, in which we started to have a conversation. It's like, hey, how can we possibly reduce this? They're like, hey, you need a proper asset registry. We need to know what your assets are, like how many desks you have, how many monitors, what are the serial numbers, what are the conditions, who has access to what, where were their purchased. And this usually used to be a little bit of a, let's call it an accounting-related task. You buy something, you want to depreciate it, but never an insurance-driven uh, task or let's call it productivity task. So... We decided, hey, why don't we build something for this? And that's how we ended up thinking of, hey, let's uh, build an open source platform for people, teams to register their assets, know who has access to what, and let's capitalize on the creation of QR codes because the whole market was driven by, uh, how do you call it, uh, bar bar labels. Uh, uh, like bar barcode. Yeah, barcodes, yeah. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that's that's how it happened. Yeah. I, I can I can I can notice that you actually have a QR code and uh, on your headphones there yeah, as well. So on my headphones, I yes. think you're uh, carrying the example on how how it actually Absolutely. works. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So, yeah. so what does it do? What does it do if you scan your headphones uh, with a mobile device? What happens? Okay, so a few things happen. Uh, one of the things that I'm very happy about is that uh, depending on Okay, so let's take a step back. So for mm-hmm. instance, a traditional asset management system, uh, there's a person that has an actual hardware device to scan them, mm-hmm. and then some some system opens up, very rigid and very like unaccessible for people. What happens with our system is that anybody that has a mobile phone, again, thanks, thanks or on thanks to COVID, now all phones have the capacity to scan QR codes, right? Uh, so... anybody from your organization can interact with this. My staff members can scan their code and raise an issue. Say, hey, my laptop is not working properly. Instead of somebody getting called and say, hey, this this issue is happening, we can add those tags. So 
whenever you scan the code, we, depending on your role within the organization, show you something else. So if I scan that code as an admin, two things will happen. First of all, on every scan, we ask for location permissions, and that allows us to pin in a map the last known scanned location of the asset, which makes this system works as a little bit of a hybrid between a passive and an active tracker and yeah. a passive tracker. Kind of like an airdrop. Yeah. Uh, sorry, kind of uh, like, a, like a air, uh, air tag. Air tag. tag. Yeah. 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 It's like the cheapest air tag. It's like mm. you can uh, you can get that benefit without having to spend like a, like 30 bucks per air asset. Air tag from weeks. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Jesus, I get, it, you know, I could confuse everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a wish tag. Yeah. Uh, imagine handling with like a tag here hanging around. Like it's just, it's just not practical. So yeah, that's what happens when you scan the tag. Uh, we log the location. Uh, we grab the geolocation API. It's a web native API actually. And we pin it. Actually, we did tests even offshore. And the geolocation is so accurate. The satellite network is so good that we can all tap into it. And moreover, we, uh, if you're an unauthorized user, we show you a contact form. Let's say that I actually have some props. All right. Oh, wow. Let's you you that, came prepared. Yeah. So let's say that this is your hard drive. Huh? Mm-hmm. And you have uh, your tag with your company. And if lost, call this number. But if somebody, if you left this in an airport, and of course, this is not the main benefit of Shelf, but a side benefit is that whoever scans this code, well, first of all, we'll ask the location permission. So we will be able to show you, hey, an iPhone scan this in this geographic location, but they can also leave you a message. They can actually say, hey, I got this thing. And then it's up to you how you are going to persuade the human to return you the IP. Yeah. Uh, but okay. it's a side benefit from it. So um, the assets uh, themselves become, they're, they're tagged, they're having a user to be authorized to use it. And if the case they get lost, they can, they can let you know what's going on. But basically what we created is that each object that your company has that you want to track becomes an entry in a secure database where you can interact with it. And that's basically the small idea that we're trying to bring to the world. Cool. That sounds very good. Um, so if you think from the, like the asset management perspective, um, it, it's not really aimed at things like, hey, I have like 12 forks, you know, in my kitchen or anything like that. No. So it, it needs to be, um, you know, at least the size of a QR code, at least. And it needs to yeah. be something more substantial. So it's not really good for like basic inventory, for example, or like no. Airbnb where you have like, you know, 12 forks and you have 15 plates and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now we have one plate less. It's not really for that. Yes. It's more, it, it's, well, it's a yeah. plate tracking. <laughs> no, no plate tracking. The thing is like, I, I actually, this is something that I think so deeply about Artem. Really? It, it, I, uh, yeah, yeah, because it's something that I know, like, what am I building? You know, mm-hmm. is this an ERP? Is this mm-hmm. an inventory management system? Or this is an asset tracking system? And I really want to create an asset tracking system. And I found a small way to describe what an asset is. Mm-hmm. And what I o- often say is, if it breaks and nobody calls you, it's not an asset. Mm-hmm. But if it breaks and somebody panics and calls you and say like, hey, AKA your coffee machine, you know, mm-hmm. you have a coffee machine in your Airbnb. 
I need to drink many cups of coffee a day. If I read your property and it shows me a picture of a beautiful espresso machine or whatever, and it doesn't work, I will scan that tag and I will maybe flag it. You will get a notification. The alternative would be I will give you a bad review or I will feel like you've left me without any method of, of, of correcting it. So there you go. Like if I'm missing uh, one plate, uh, but I have one, I have three instead of six, I won't give you a bad review. But if the, let's say the something uh, like the shower doesn't, doesn't keep hot water or something, you could consider it as being a trackable thing, uh, as something that you might want to create. And actually to continue on this, this is one of the ideas that I really want to introduce. I would love it for you, Artem, to be able to set a redirect post scan. So if on shelf, you can register your assets, but that when it's scanned, not by you or any of your team members that it directs them to any page, perhaps you are so smart and you do a video guide of how to use every piece of equipment of your house. Oh my house. God. Oh my God. I like you. I like you already. Cause my question was, <laughs> my question was, and this is the reason why I love meeting people like you founders. Cause you always learn <laughs> something new. Last time <laughs> I learned so about Stripe uh, Atlas and that you Stripe can really Atlas, yeah. Oh, yeah. quickly incorporate in Delaware. So every time, like one of the selfish benefits from doing this is just learning, learning together yeah. and sharing experiences. But that was exactly my question. So uh, because I'm a tech um, junkie, so to speak, I want one of my Airbnbs to have uh, like smart home, right? So that, you know, iPad somewhere in the wall and you can control everything. And one of the things that I really hate when I travel myself and I've been traveling quite a lot and spending some time in different Airbnbs, I hate that there are very rarely any kind of instruction. So if you want to use a I washer, know. they're like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> or if it's a yeah. if it's a coffee machine, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit convoluted. All of a sudden, weird sounds coming out. There is water coming. So and you're fun, like, fun. what the hell is going on? So my idea was I will have QR codes and the QR no. codes will allow you to report an issue or see a video tour or video uh, instructions on how to use that item. So as it sounds based on uh, uh, on what you have articulated, it seems like this is easily done in shelves. Yes, it's a feature that I'm trying to push for it to be released fast, but basically on inside of each asset object in your database, you should be able to define what happens when each user scans it. So if you scan it, you get to see the asset edit page, right? You might want to change some information. Uh, if it's a team member, maybe they want flag an object. Perhaps you increase your operations. You have, like uh, Michael said, hundreds of Airbnbs. You might have a maintenance <laughs> crew. And they will, they should go to check and flag it. Or maybe a cleaner, right? You... Or maybe a cleaner exactly. if she notices that, for example, vacuum cleaner is is dead or something. Uh, so. Those are the, those are, that infrastructure layer is what I want to provide to the world and do that very well and not try to take the spotlight on any other areas of like asset counting, let's say, or, or, uh, doing other more, yeah, like just stay topically in this, in this lane to try to make this like the best one. So, uh, my goal is to find companies that are very, uh, let's call it process and excellence focused, and they really want to give the best experience to their customers and they see how to integrate this technology layer to their to their work processes. 
So uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're building. That's pretty awesome. I think we have enough startups uh, who just you know integrate ChatGPT and say like we will revolutionize the world. I think yes. I think you're solving. What I like about your product is that you're kind of like scratching your own itch, you know. So basically, yes. you became your first customer in a sense. Absolutely. And you have a team of people who are constantly testing your product because they're using it, reporting and so forth. Another thing that really, you know, would be interesting to hear is that you decided to go open source route. That's not very normal when it comes to SaaS startups. Usually it's just like, hey, let's create something, a little bit of React, not a JS, whatever, push it to Vercel and let's charge $15 and see what sticks. But you decided to go right from the beginning, open source route. You give an opportunity to host it yourself, do everything yeah. yourself, and then you don't have support and so forth. But you're able to use the software free within certain specific limits. So why did you choose to open source your product? A lot of people, before you answer, a lot of people, especially software developers, many times they don't want to release their product as open source solution because they're kind of afraid that somebody will, somebody will look at their code and like, this is spaghetti madness. Like, like this is yeah, not really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it truly feels like walking with my uh, dirty laundry behind me uh, to have the whole code base exposed. But uh, yeah, Artem and Michael, like, what can I say about open source? Uh, from a philosophical point of view, I believe that I wouldn't have achieved anything in my career if it was not for open source. So I always had the desire to create something of immense value. So let's say give a hundred value units and be comfortable and sleep well at night knowing that I might capture only one out of those hundred value units in monetary, in monetary value. I always looked up to Matt Mullebeck from WordPress. I think I made most of my money in my first 10 years as an agency building WordPress sites, and I never paid $1 to this guy. Uh, thanks to the ecosystem that he created, the open source CMS, a whole market came to, to be. And I, as a person, uh, just, just loved that. Like I just, when I first encountered that, it, it just really fascinated me. So. I always had in the back of my head that if I were to build a product, it would have to be open source because I believe that if software is eating the world, open source software is going to eat software. And it just has to do with uh, the fact that there's more developer support, there's more momentum that can be made. And honestly, I believe that uh, going for a non-propriety proprietary open source solution makes that the people that are intrinsically motivated to improve the code to be critical about it like those are the best people you want to have in the beginning looking at what you're doing so yes it's a very scary thing and i believe that um, my parents think i'm crazy uh, but on the other hand uh, it's gotten me to meet very, very smart and talented people. And I feel like that's very valuable. So that's why we decided to go open source. Just just, just put it out there. And right now, I think there's like 50 forks. So there must be 50 people that are running their versions of Shelf. Many people that I don't know, maybe they just get cloned it and they're just running their own instances. But every once in a while, there's some issues that come up and people are like, hey, why don't you do this? And when we check, they know our code base very well. So 
but it's a new it's a new world for us. You know, when we're comparing your stuff to WordPress in a way, is that you still, you know, you have also the paid plan. So it's not just yeah. giving everything for free. Um, no. You know, people no. can do whatever they want. You can also yeah. generate a cash flow there. And oh, absolutely. Uh, you're yeah. really generous uh, when, you, when, you know, I'm looking at your pricing signs, you know, what you're giving uh, for the free yeah. free plans. Uh, but yeah. I also think that, you know, the $19 uh, a month for the plus membership, you know, I mean, that is, I, I, I think that should be quite no brainer for people who are really looking into this asset management softwares. Yeah. So and you'll be getting a... that $19 for me for sure. Once I start renovating my, my Ooh. apartment, uh, because, uh, I just, I just felt the only problem that I encountered in your software is that I couldn't get the map functionality to work correctly. I gave it hmm. addresses in like 14 different formats. And I was like, come on, come on. None. I, I even gave like geolocation and stuff like that. But the beauty is it, because it's open source, I could actually go in and see how you actually are working with the addresses. And that I think Absolutely. is a very powerful thing. You just go in, you see like, aha, so this function is responsible for getting yep. the address. Okay, now I know which format you're expecting. So I really love that approach, but I think it's it's a balance, right? You want to give stuff for free. You want people to be able to host it, but you also want to create a business model so that you can continue doing this for a very long time. So it's a fine balance. I also, I don't remember if you had like a Docker image like ready to go no we do not but we're talking with a party that's gonna help us maybe like do a one-click uh like in environment for for shelf and stuff like that but we started shelf like less than a year ago mm -hmm. and uh it's uh it, it has been picking up and actually you mentioned hacker news and that's another of these stories that i did not know anything about hacker news like not oh, really? much and i just oh. posted it there and like as a link and it picked up a lot. And what it did give me, it made me realize that asset management is an it's it's an activity that many people wanted to do, but that there was no clear like obvious. Uh, uh, there was no clear obvious winner in this category. If you are not like of course enterprise, like you can go to SAP or IBM, Maxim or whatever. Like these guys will give you stuff, but very hard to buy, very hard to know what what the tool does. So yeah, uh, I think it's important for us to do it. Right now we're working on a better documentation for self-hosting uh, so that it's like much more accessible for you to like uh, spend a few hours and set up your own, your own instance. But there's also the balance that we I am currently talking with a lot of uh, very interesting people and they have a lot of demands and I'm trying to ship very fast. Uh, so it's the balance of like, okay, let's ship fast, but also make sure that people have a clear upgrade path for their, for their installations. Uh, but that's uh, super exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I have a Synology, you know, server, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with Synology NAS. So basically it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a file server that is pretty powerful. I think I have like 16 gigs in it and uh, and a very yeah. powerful CPU. So I actually run different Docker instances uh, and I became, you know, big fan of self-hosted solutions. And there is a, like a really good Reddit uh, community, self-hosted. 
and there is like nowadays you can get pretty much um uh pretty much everything like in in your own server if you want to there's pretty much solution for everything and i really like the idea of having your solution as a self-hosted option so that i could play around with it you know see how it works and then you know uh that's why i was asking about docker image because docker image is so much easier to run on synology yeah you just point it to an image click go and you're up and running no, for sure, it's a, it's it's an area we have to work. And indeed, as you said, it is like the balance between like giving something, uh, but also making sure that there's enough runway or 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 funding to keep fueling this. So for now, as you said, it's a no-brainer. We have many uh, many migrants from other systems that are, are 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 hopping into ours. They're taking the compromise that. I mean, the other tools had about 10 years to, 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 to get to the point where they are and we are like less than a year, but we're trying to take the best, smartest moves and they're appreciating some of the features, but we have a backlog. We have a lot of stuff to do. I can tell you actually one of the stuff that we're going to be working on, it's called uh, bookings and reservations. So for instance, oh. let's say that you have, uh, you have fixed IT assets, you have fixed assets, but you might have a gear room full of uh, expensive camera gear. Uh, that you would want people to see, reserve, and book ahead of time, and maybe even sign off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that area we have to work on, and it has to do a lot with like time zones and like availability of assets and stuff like this. But I think that it will be the next step in order for me to be able to localize this in Spanish and go to some universities in South America, say, use this thing because. Uh, let's say you have a audiovisual department where you have a lot of camera gear, recording gear, and you have students that need to get access to this. Just use it. Just run this, and you have an infra that is way better than managing this with pieces of paper or Excel sheets. Uh, so that's uh, that's an area I'm very interested in uh, in building. But yeah, they're every day uh, defining and scoping out new stuff. Yeah. One thing that again may be interesting. I actually ran into a founder of Pika Pods. P-I-K-A pods. So pickup pods uh-huh. and really, really interesting guy. And he basically offers um, very intuitive, easy to use, and most importantly, like dirt cheap hosting for open source software. So you just log in, choose the software you want from the list, click go, and he does everything. Like spins up the instance, sets up, you know, SSL certificates, all of that good stuff. Very good. And it's about like, I pay about $1 per instance a month. Wow. So yeah, of course it depends. Good. It depends very much on the requirements of the software. Some software requires more memory and so forth. But I definitely think that you should, once uh, there is like a clear, like a dockerized uh, version of the software or something, you should reach out to people like uh, to companies like Pickapod so that they can support your system so that you can go to that Spanish university or whatever. You can say like, hey, you can host it yourself or you can use our partner and just host it like for two bucks or like three bucks or whatever that is. Exactly. My dream would be that there's small firms that that do implementation services of Shelf and they actually maybe skin them and create their own like very industry-specific versions of shelf it's like hey we've 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 used this uh and we've spun it up for like the cleaning industry and Mm -hmm. actually we have all these modules that are for this uh in the end of the day uh that that's what would make me the the happiest 
but also try to give like a great experience to all our cloud customers, of course, uh, that would be also very nice. So maybe just a little bit about the business. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, that you had a co-founder at the beginning and you started like a coding shop, like a software development shop with your yeah. uh, with your roommate, if I remember correctly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, where is that agency at this moment? Like where it's at? So that agency is still alive, but let's say it's it, the shelf is more default alive at the moment because mm-hmm. like both me and him are are putting a lot of effort into shelf. So the agency is still running. We have uh, like a lot of legacy clients that we build software for them, and we're just like maintaining it. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're 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 doing the transition. You know, like we still are trying to maintain a lot of ownership of shelf. So. We don't want to sell too much equity to investors or anything like that to have runway. So we're basically also doing consultancy work and still maintaining stuff for people so that we pay our salaries and we continue working here until we really cannot manage it anymore. And then we might be looking into Tribe Atlas <laughs> and like setting up a company or something like that and, and, and have the good infrastructure for selling shares. Yeah. So basically... Um... What would be really interesting is how many people did you have uh, creating Shell? Like, is it just you and your co-founder? Uh, just, just me, my co-founder, and one of the guys that uh, works with us in our agency that does like UX UI design. Basically, mm-hmm. I was uh, scoping out features and giving him requirements, and he was translating them into like desktop mobile device device designs, mm-hmm. and then. We were coding this like just in-house my with my my co-founder Nikolai. So he has like 90% of the code submissions on the repository. Mm-hmm. But the whole brand, the whole marketing pages, comparisons, blogs, everything. We just we just produce them ourselves. Uh a bit of trial and error there, but uh yeah, so I would say two and a half people uh we're building a shelf. Yeah. Just like the TV show, two and a half men. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, because this guy works half time for us, so uh, two and a half. Yeah. And so I, how? Oh, sorry, Mikhail, please go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what about you know? I noticed you have a bit over two thousand backlinks right now. So, what are your uh, methods on how you've been generating those? Only like yeah, nine, nine have... eighty of them are no follows. So basically, they are pretty good ones. Ah, I, I would be lying if I, I if I would know exactly where I got those. Let's say that I've been like ten years building uh, websites and and and, and 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 building a network on this. So I've uh, I've asked some favors. I've asked some uh, some people like, hey, send me like help me like increase the DR uh, for for this property. Uh, I dabble a little bit around SEO, um, but I think that uh, things like. Uh, X now or Twitter, mm. it's a great place to connect with other founders. And uh, I started from the beginning this, like I found the hashtag building public. And I was like, okay, let's go all in on this. I'm going to tweet how we're building this thing and basically building the, the least sexy startup in the whole building public community because everybody was, as you said, building like really cool AI GPT rappers like or uh, image profile spinners or like all these very cutting edge stuff and I was trying to solve a very boring problem but I don't I, it doesn't matter I'm just gonna continue talking about this and over time it managed to pick up some steam I connected with some people and then you notice that um, 
either they mention you on their blog or or once you launch mm. on Product Hunt, uh, you get some backlinks. Uh, sure. You talk with some people that want to contribute to the code base. They put you on their uh, GitHub profiles or maybe they have their own little dev sites where they show their portfolio and they're also linking to you there. Uh, but I have not reached like a really good PR DR90 link, mm. let's say, or like a really high one. Like buy buy a bunch. Or buy a bunch or pay to win. I must admit, I do get regularly uh, emails in which they're like, hey, you can buy a Forbes Africa link insert for $2,000. And I'll be like, yeah. wow. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to do, you know? Like, what what should I do now? Yeah. So, but I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think your approach and uh, uh, building your startup in public is, is very good. Creating blog content, talking on Twitter, you know, and maybe just doing content marketing makes a lot of sense. And you, you did mention a couple of times that you are solving a boring problem. It's a boring startup. And in my opinion, most successful startups or companies in general are solving real but boring problems. So the sexy startups, you know, the AI, you know, like Whisper API, OpenAI and all the good Oof. stuff that they do and all those, you know, cool mobile applications. I think it's like maybe the 10, 15% of the market and everything else. Once you go to the enterprise mode, it gets very yeah. boring, very mundane, but it solves real problems. So ERP systems, yeah. PLM systems. Uh, we worked with one client who provided a PLM system for fashion industry. It wasn't really a Boring. sexy solution. It was very much just, you know, making sure that the product lifecycle is all mapped out and planned and so yeah. forth. But they signed some of the biggest companies I know. Like, yeah. I uh, I don't know if you know this guy uh, Naval Ravikant. Yeah, uh, he's like a uh, yeah, he's like one of my heroes. Uh, and his and one of is his fantastic. Yeah, he's like such. A, he I, I really look up to him. I should have his picture hanging on my wall. <laughs> uh, but he said something that you got stuck in my head, and he says, "Play long term games with long term people." And when I was thinking about shelf, I was like, "Hey." In software, if you're really gonna go for asset management, if you're really gonna register everything, if you're gonna go through the trouble of producing like hundreds of these asset labels, all for each of your assets, honestly, that's a long-term game. And that's yeah, the people yeah. I wanna play with. I wanna play the entrepreneurship game with long-term people. Uh, so it really made me think like, oh, work on shelf, work on shelf. I had these guys voicing behind my head saying like, hey, work on this problem. So indeed, I don't know if we're going to build like a very remarkable company, but I do think that if we build a company where uh, uh, other teams deeply rely on it and they care about uptime, they care about like the availability of the tool, I'll be very happy. And I think that I've been running my agency for 10 years with the most ugly, antiquated uh, bookkeeping software ever. And I think that there's certain tools, there's certain software categories where the churn is low because the switchover cost is just so painful. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to create a switchover vendor lock situation here. You can export everything, but I do believe that 
I will have a longer engagement with my accounts than if I was doing a, let's see how our baby looks like AI generator, you know, uh, where you put like pictures of a couple and it's like, oh, this is how your baby is going to look like. I think those ones you get, you get a hockey stick, but then it, it yeah. goes yeah. down to zero real fast. Yeah. Yeah. There are trends, you know, like three to six months trends, right? Something blows up on TikTok and everybody is doing it. And then in like six months, you don't even remember it. And there are mega trends. So like sustainability, conscious exactly. uh, uh, consumerism, you know, that kind of stuff that is going to be here in like five, 10 years. And I think, you yeah. know, making bets on long-term stuff just makes a lot more sense. And uh, I have a really funny story regarding the UI. Um, I invest in a small, well, in the grand scheme of things, a small investment company's fund here in Finland. And I'm a big fan. Of, it's like an index fund and like very low cost and stuff like that. So, and I'm very like, I'm very busy with my work already. I don't want to invest into something that requires me to constantly keep track of how things are going. I just want to invest in something boring and forget about it. So, but I really like their company and they have like the most boring website, the, like the <laughs> most horrible interface. And, and I was like, I reached out to them and I said like, Hey, you know, let's talk about, you know, UX, let's talk about making your website better. And then I met with them. I think it was like managing director or, or somebody like that, or yeah. business developer, like in charge of a person in charge of business development. And I said like, Hey, I'm ready to do this. Maybe even for like no money for free, because I want to build my portfolio. I was just starting out and so forth. And they said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And I'm like, could you explain? Could you elaborate? And he said, this is all done by purpose. So mm. we don't upgrade. And our website looks like it came out of like 90s on purpose because it creates an image that we are not wasting money. And yep. we are very, very lean. We just want to get things done. Yeah. And we pass on the savings to you. If we had a beautiful website, animation everywhere it would feel like we are not the cost efficient solution that we are so i thought about it for I a while that. and i, I was like that. wow that's that's pretty cool so maybe yeah. the software that you mentioned that has very you know uh minimalistic and maybe ugly interface maybe that's on oh, purpose yeah. as well it it's it concurs very well with their with with, the, with their price let's say like it reflects the price but I, I I I can understand that you know like the the whole notion of like keep the main thing the main thing so the main thing is like low cost uh, like we're not gonna have uh, I think there were brands that were built on this uh, what is it like the Dollar Shave Club that was like hey our our, our razor blades are cheap because we're not paying this guy uh, Federer like a <laughs> couple hundred million so there you go that's why it's cheap but yeah I can uh, I can uh, I can understand that but for me it's more like the 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 like a category in which you might have a more long-term uh, vision moreover i do agree with you about the the giga trends and a trend i see so i live in the netherlands and uh a year ago i could just buy a can of coca-cola for the price that i would see now i have to buy the can of coca-cola but when i check out i have to pay 25 cents on top of it because actually they want me to recycle it so if I look at this, companies are not being asked to be mindful and resourceful with their assets. 
honestly, companies are buying stuff left and right and they're just left over anywhere in a storage. There is not a focus of let's increase the visibility of your assets. Let's extend the lifetime of your assets because it's literally not a great practice to be producing so much e-waste or to, to have so much waste wastage. So if my tool can help companies at least see and visualize what they own without the accounting side of things, but just pure asset visibility, I think I'm contributing to this giga trend, which I see is going to happen. I think that companies will start being asked to be more responsible mm -hmm. with their purchases and the stuff that they acquire. Yeah. One thing that came to mind just like a second ago, imagine, and this is just me dreaming a little bit, but imagine if you like added, um, I don't know, like an old, you know, MacBook to your system, right? Like an old one that is maybe from like year 2018 or something. Imagine if you crowdsource what all the cool stuff you can do with this MacBook, right? Like you could, for example, donate it to developing country. You could format it Absolutely. and turn it into maybe like a home automation device. So I think in many cases, there are many uses for specifically like devices that are old school, like maybe old tablet. Many people don't even know what you can do with an old tablet. Like if you don't want to sell it because it's too, you know, too cheap, you don't want to bother with it. What can you do? Like how can you make use of the yeah. asset that you don't no longer need? Man, uh, I see so many opportunities in, 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 I think that the, the asset database, like, you know, it's kind of part of the life cycle of, a, of an IT asset. like the disposal is also an important mm. part. And I think that what if there, but then again, like, this is also me thinking way ahead of time. Like, what if there was an actual fiscal incentive for your company to recycle or dispose your, your assets responsibly? That, that could actually offset some some tax costs or that can be an incentive for that a lot of companies will start registering everything of course right like it's like if you want somebody to do something you just tax them and they'll they will start moving in that direction but it's not the primary reason why we build it um it's it's just that as you said like uh, i just really like talking with people that have to deal with this uh with these issues and it's it's just nice to try to give somebody a you know, like you, you guys do like marketing content growth, man, we're being offered the most shiny, coolest tools every single minute yeah. because we're just like a very interesting tar target market to, to, to create beautiful products for. But if you're a IT asset manager, you're a facility manager, you're an office person, like it's not like you're getting approached with like beautiful, cool stuff to work on, on a regular basis. So it's also nice to be able to. To, to, to reach out to those people. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that also comes to mind when it comes to running a successful business, I was really impressed. I signed up for Checkly uh, HQ. Uh, it's a basically like a smart service monitoring tool where you can define your own scripts. You can write uh, playwright scripts, for example, that test your software. They run it every single minute from different location, data centers, all that good stuff. But what really surprised me, it's, it's a substantially large company, in my opinion, already. Maybe they have 100 employees already, and they have like serious backing and stuff like that. But once I signed up for their premium plan, so I switched from free to paid customer, I received an email from their CEO saying, like, I want to have yeah. a short interview with you, if possible. 
and then you know a yeah. link to his calendar and um, the ceo actually met with me for half hour asked me what problems i'm trying to solve where are my pain points Very good. you know how i'm using the software now why i'm not making use of the advanced features and then he was like good thank you i really appreciate and have a great day yep. so i think this is the right approach long term talking to your customers and solving real problems because it feels like every time there is a new GS framework coming out, there is something really cool in the Python world, chat GPT is killing, and we kind of lose track that we are solving problems for real people. And unless we solve it well, and in the way that actually, you know, allows them to do what they want to do, um, it will not be a very good solution long-term. So yeah, and, how- no. and, and, you know, yeah, well, right now, Everybody's just caring about getting new clients and nobody cares about the old ones. So that is also, you know, when they're just trying to attract new ones, you know, they try to be nice for a second, but yeah, they don't ever ask any of the, of the current clients like what's up and how it's doing. Every time when they contact, they always contact, you know, because they try to sell you something more. Yeah. Then yeah, I think people, people notice this stuff, huh? You, you, yeah. you, you kind of expect it and notice it and it's just like, I think that there that that there are options and there are ways to to be a bit more kind or more human or more like solution driven when it comes to your to your product offering. Uh, show your intentions. Well, of course, like we we need to keep the lights on, but I think you can pick your pick your flavor, pick your style, and uh, I think like Artem, like that endorsement you just gave to this CEO and this company is fantastic. That is the right leadership that I expect from a company that is trying to uh, to provide a solution. Uh, we're not selling uh, papers. It's not a commodity yet. Once we're selling post-its, then yeah, you don't need to contact the person that much. Uh, you just buy in bulk. But uh, it's like very specialized solutions. Very important to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you talk to your clients? I literally do uh, like a very similar thing that you say. I I started recently, so I think we have like 800 user accounts. So it's hard to, you know, like I'm in the in in, in a different time zone than most of our users. Most of our users actually are in two are in two places. I would say that 20% of our users are from Japan. Weird. Oh wow! And we got featured in some kind of like PC mag stuff, and apparently in uh. In Japan now, like if you live in a in a home association, like in a, in a complex in a building complex, you must do uh, maintenance of it, and they're looking for solutions. So they found Shelf as being a very easy way to generate the codes and to track maintenance because we have this notepad. So I'm not managed to talk with many of these uh, Japanese users, maybe two. But what I do is that I send a mail, introduce myself, I ask. I'm very curious about what sort of problem you're trying to solve with our solution. And I send them a cal.com link instead of Calendly, which is like like the open source version of Calendly. And I try to uh, just talk to them for like 15 minutes to half an hour. We'll try to uh, understand uh, what what problems do they have. I've talked to people that are uh, building contractors, like they are responsible for buildings and they're like, no, we're going to put... Uh, codes on all the fire extinguishers and so that we can like get a notification if we need to do something or I've talked with uh, teleproduction companies they're like guys we're broadcasting live uh, TV shows uh, 
we need to make sure that we have a full overview of how much equipment we have and who has access to it to like the, some universities that are like, hey, we want to like work with you on making this whole like reservation. So mostly digital, mostly uh, via calls and uh, try to do a stuff as synchronous as possible. So a very similar play as you did, Artem, send a Loom video. Once there's an interesting sign up, send a Loom video, an introduction and a call link and uh, try to take it from there. And uh, sometimes uh, take some uh, late night calls, let's say here from my garage where I am currently at. Awesome. By the way, a really good background, like Christmas lights and whatnot, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Looking yeah. very good. So um, maybe uh, before we wrap up, maybe you would like to demo the product. I think it's always beautiful just to see the product and especially getting a walkthrough from the founder is always, always of awesome. Course. So if you could do like a short demo, uh, the most Let's important do. features of your product, I think our viewers would love to see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. So let me see. I'm going to share my screen. This is uh, like the asset inventory view from a uh, shelf um, where you basically see the count of your total assets. Just to run you through it, uh, we have a couple of features. As, like you have a workspace where you can add team members. Team members, we use them to give custody of an, of an asset. So for instance, let's say that you have a laptop, you want to check it out to one of your employees, you can use this to say that this person has access to this object. Uh, moreover, we just are releasing a couple of custom fields. Um, so you can add new custom fields to your objects. Right now we have text, but on our test environment, we have like date pickers, long text, uh, booleans, multi-select and stuff like this. Moreover, we have a couple of concepts, like you can create locations. Locations are places where you can, let's say, group assets. Uh, for instance, in this the environment that I have open, we were talking with a construction company that has a couple of job sites. And um, this is a good way for the uh, asset manager to be able to see all the assets that are supposed to be in one location. Uh, they can manage them, so move the assets from location to location around. Uh, for instance, this wallpaper steamer in this case is in the location B Pro Shop and you can click it and it will just swap the locations. So you can also manage your assets like this. Uh, additionally, we have like a couple of features like tags. Tags are things that you can add to, to your asset, unlimited tags. And actually with tags is that I want to start creating like different tag workflows, so like for instance, if you add the tag retired, that something happens uh, or pre-owned, you can create them yourself. Uh, additionally, we have categories, categories like just like any other CMS is like a singular uh, grouping of your assets. And all of that results in, in having like an asset uh, inventory page. One of the things that we've done uh, to help our customers, uh, let's say, locate their assets faster is that um, sometimes the inventories are pretty large. Actually, this is a small environment, but we have uh, users that have like, let's say a thousand assets. So sometimes to find information is a bit tricky. So what we're working on is to create a very good, like let's call like a central search bar where you can ideally find everything. So for instance, uh, in this case, I can look for uh, a team member like Unar, his name, 
and I can run it and see all the assets that he has access to. I can also use attack pre-owned. It should load two assets. I can also do a combined search here. So I can do crane category. Well, it's only one, but let me see. Uh, let me put something like hand tools. I think hand tools, we have a few. So I can uh, type hand tools. It should pull something and then I can also add space and add a name of a person like Igor and it should locate that one asset. Moreover, I think that we have released that you can also search inside the asset fields. So let's say that you added a serial number um, like ABC123XD. If you hit enter, it should find the asset that has that uh, serial number inside the descriptions. Um, that's, uh, when it comes to the search part. And then when you open the asset page itself, we're working on this layout a little bit, but some of the stuff that you can see here, I'm going to zoom in is that each asset has an availability status. This asset is available. Why is it available? It's because nobody is currently possessing it. Uh, you can at any point give a custody of an asset to a team member and then it becomes unavailable or in custody. It also shows you in which job site it is and then you can leave notes. Like on GitHub, you can write markdown and you can write uh, any sort of uh, information that you might want to have. Moreover, each asset in your database will create its own QR code label. Uh, this QR code label uh, you can download it and print it, but you can also in a future update just use a thermal label printer and just click P and it just prints you a tag that you can attach on the object. This tag is what allows you to interact with your database from like the physical world. Um, additionally, uh, you can see here that you have like the information of the assets that you define, like the category, location, the tags, the owner and the last scan location data. Like, unfortunately, I'm using my phone also my camera, so I cannot demo this. But this is a, a, a scan that I did on my office. So you can see I live in a town called Arnhem. Um, and I scanned it on a Safari browser running iOS from these coordinates. Um, so this helps you determine whether uh, the location where the object should be matches the location where it was last scanned. So this in essence is like what our tool does. And of course, like there's a lot of other stuff like you can you can change everything about the of the asset and operate all of this from your mobile phone. But this is what we have. Also we have like exports and imports of the whole database, uh, which unfortunately these are part of like one of our paid plans. So yeah this is the tool that we have for now. And as I said, like we are trying to work out a lot of the behaviors of what happens once you scan these codes. There we have a whole path of views that should be available for you. But, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, this is shelf what we have for now and, uh, and, and the, and the features and functionalities we have, like, I'm just super excited for the, how do you call the, the, the bookings and reservation module of the, of the application. Yeah, to me, you know, your dashboard actually looks really nice. So you've been doing a good work. It really looks, you know, very professional. It's very clean. 
It's very oh, clean yeah. with a dash of color. I really like it. It's yeah. I think it it, it works where well on mobile devices because it's very yes very simple in a sense so it it works well when you're in responsive view um awesome so i think this is pretty much it um this been a pleasure and i am already since i'm moving now from one apartment to another i am going to document everything i could use it for that as well right i could document all my stuff when I'm moving, I actually think you can uh, you can do like actually this is a use case that I really like and maybe something that I can announce here. We're going to in order to monetize self mm -hmm. into not ask people to pay us for subscriptions. We're gonna create the concept of orphaned unlinked codes that you can buy on Amazon, for instance. So you can buy 200 asset tags mm -hmm. that you can put them on a box. Let's say you put a box, boom. You stick it on a box, you put all this stuff there, you scan it and you add it to your database and you say, oh, this is full of shoes, a red hat, this and that. And with this search that we have, you could be able to say like, where's my red hat? Oh, it should be on box three because you registered it there. So yes, you could use it for, for moving and for inventorization of, of your boxes. Of course, it's not the intended use case, but I also see it as a, as a, as a powerful way to use the technology. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, before we wrap up, what is your goal for the next couple of months? What are you working on in terms of your business? You mentioned a few features that are coming coming out soon, but like for you personally, like what milestone are you trying to get at? That's a very, very good question, a very confronting question. I would say that uh, for us now, we are trying to incorporate Shelf properly as a company. So it's a milestone to reach that, uh, to become, uh, to, to continue some of the conversations we've been having with investors. And for me, I would say that at the moment we have like, uh, let's say 750 accounts. If by the end of the year we can like get to one and a half thousand, so like I'll be very happy. So a doubling on the user base, I think we can manage. I think I will have to, uh, do a lot of clever content, a lot of clever appearances uh, like this, and just to uh, create some uh, smart funnels and uh, try to do that. But on the other side, it's like many of the demos I take, I know that we're missing that last 20% of features. So I really need to push to to get those going. And then I think uh, we're going to reach our targets a little bit better. That sounds like a plan. Carlos, yes. it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast. It's been really, really insightful. I made a lot of notes in my notebook, so I have some stuff to, <laughs> nice. to think about uh, later on. Where are, where are you guys most active at? Are you most active on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or YouTube, uh, or like where do you want to LinkedIn. be most? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn like is for, for me sure. as well, probably. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. LinkedIn, LinkedIn probably. So let's connect on LinkedIn. Yes. Make sure we stay in touch, but. Carlos, thank you so much and good luck with your project. It looks awesome. And I think you will have one more paid user very soon. Nice. Ah, cool. Thank you, guys. And while you have one more subscriber and I'll happily hype you up. And I will send you an intro to, to, to Sandra, which I think it would be really nice for you to talk. Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. Thank have you. a good All one. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye, -bye. Ciao.